man. It's Monday morning. Monday morning. Hope everybody woke up in a good mood, blessed mood. I'm feeling blessed. Hope y'all feeling blessed. Say it again. It is Monday morning, and we got some sports to talk about. Sauce Talk is starting. Hope y'all enjoyed, as always, my, you know, my theme. I like my theme. I'm sticking with it. I've been running it here the past few episodes. Hope y'all enjoy it. But let's break it down. First off, I want to say congratulations to my Yankees for not getting eliminated last night. It seemed like this weekend was going to be a disaster for the Yankees. Losing at home game two, going to Cleveland 1-1, knowing that we have to win that first game in Cleveland. And we lose, so it goes down to 2-1, and you got that extra game. And it's like... This series puts us, you know, you cannot lose at home. And that just puts you in that point. You, you've got first dibs at home. You can't lose at home. It's because if you lose that next game, at that on that road game, you lose that, that game three, it puts you in a bad, bad place. And that's why sweeps get set up. If you lose the first two games at home, then you go to that home, you go on that road game, you're done. But luckily, we won game one. As I talked about, game two um, just did not go well in the end of the, uh, at the end of the game. It just, you know, when it comes down to pitching, back-to-back games, you know, you get some, um, you're not getting a whole lot from Aaron Judge. Now, granted, I'm going to talk about as far as game three, but game two, nothing. And um, some weird play from Josh Donaldson. Um, some things that, you know, you just you, you, you just want to get together. And you're just like, what's, what's, what's going on? Anyways, get down to the ninth inning. Pitching the bullpen is low, falls short. James Talion makes his first relieving uh, I said his first relieving relieving stint, you know, knowing as being a starting pitcher, and he, you know, saying he's not not really knowing what to do. Loses the game. Next game, we up. Uh, I think that was James won game three. I think the end of game game two was uh, yeah, it was James. I think it was James. Yeah, it was James. Then the game two. I mean, game three. That you know, Judge hits a home run. I'm really, I'm really liking the Bader kid. I'm uh, not having DJ LeMayhew. It hurts, you know what I'm saying, because I think it's him, you know, manufacturing hits. It's something that he is very, very good at. But we just did not get what we wanted in the ninth inning pitching-wise, what we was able to do bringing in, uh, bringing in the bats. You know, like I said, Judge Homer, uh, Cabrera, the rookie, he had, he got a homer and Bader scored. Uh, you know, Bader of course got the home run in the seventh. It's just the pitching, man. I mean, you just cannot have this type of, you know. I don't know. It just it was just terrible. Clark Schmidt was his name, not James Talion. I knew I was wrong. Clark Schmidt comes in where we have this game one and just throws a lollipop. Just right down the middle. I mean, like it, it. Like I said, it literally made me think of back to when we lost to the to the Diamondbacks. I mean, seriously, that was terrible to see that Naylor, hell of a hell of a lefty. Speaking, of, I'm gonna bring that up. Me bringing uh, me saying that, but with Game Three, you know, with now it's now it's one now it's two one or now now it's one one going into Game Three. I mean, two one going into uh, going into Game Three. The one thing that people were sitting there talking about, like A-Rod, I talked about with Lex Anderson, a uh, person I want to be having back on my show, who I'll be on his show, especially if we're going to be talking baseball um, on the Lex Anderson's world. That's what I like to uh, mention him as on uh, TikTok. But the Sports Opinion Log, his uh, podcast, y'all go check it out. But the one thing I will say about Aaron Boone is that I guess he has the trust of Aaron Judge. I'm I'm not too sure for the rest of the 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 clubhouse. There's things to where he does that may not make a whole lot of sense and leading off Aaron Judge is one of those things. And I've never really been a big been a big fan of it. Um Him batting second, still I'm not all up on. But he got two RBI. 
he, you know what I'm saying, he got the home run. So, it's like, okay, now we're having a better situation at this now. Rizzo batting third, Stan batting fourth. But then we go, no hit, no hit, no hit on those three names I just said. Rizzo, Stan, and Donaldson. But then we have Bader, Cabrera. Moving on to the ninth inning. Once again, we have a situation. Well, excuse me here. Let me let me let me clarify. Let me clarify this one thing. James Talion was Friday night. That's my mistake. I wanted to get that right. I was sitting there saying, like, man, I'm real sharp fired when it comes to like football, basketball. And boxing, but like baseball, sometimes I'll be sitting there like, whoa, 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 let me get this scenario right here, this scenario right and on this net. Excuse me, apologize, being um, organic on that. But anyway, James Talion, or Talion, however people like to call it, pronounce it. I like to put a little bit English on there. But um, just same thing what Schmidt did, you know what I'm saying? Just that's what I was remembering what Schmidt did. Talion did Friday. Saturday, Schmidt did the same thing. Made me think of Arizona. World Series 2000. Luis Gonzalez hits one right there. Nice little perfect single right there in center field to bring in a winning run. And that's what that reminded me of. And I'm like, well, our season's over. Season's over. It's got to be, right? And to have Stanton Homer in one game and then Judge Homer in the next, you couldn't ask for no more than that. Especially getting, you know, runs. You know, we got runs. Two in that Friday game, but we got five Saturday, four with the Sunday win yesterday. And the one thing I will say about this is that we did smart things with Wandy Wandy Peralta. That's why I brought up Naylor was one of the things that Boone was trying to set up, bringing in Clay Holmes for one inning. He did a good job. He only let one on. We got those three outs. And then we was able to have Naylor go up against Wandy Peralta and start off the three outs in the game. Big time, big time move that we did right there. Tony Rizzo steps up again, but hey, Mr. Bader, that's three home runs now, okay? That's three home runs now. I'm proud of this kid. Sacrifice five for John Carlos Stanton in his top of the sixth. Uh, Garrett Cole, I want to just give a clap of praise to him. The money, the naysayers, the supporters, the New York media, the New York pressure, everything that comes with being a starting pitcher in the rotation, being the ace for the New York Yankees. That is how you're supposed to perform with all those things I just said. Because being an ace for the Yankees is not being an ace for the Blue Jays or the Rays or somebody like that. Where you're like, yeah, that, 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 that's pretty, he's pretty good. You know, it's like, yeah, he's a good ace. You know, somebody, I'm not trying to bag on the White Sox. I'm not trying to bag on some of these NL teams like the Reds or, or, or I'm not trying to do that. But there's a, there's a certain type of aura. When you are an ace Yankees pitcher. Same thing with Boston. Same thing with the Dodgers. I just think those three teams, and I, you know, I know I threw the Reds out there, but the Reds is just not more relevant. They're not even close to being as more relevant than those three teams I named. They have the pedigree. They have the history. Not even close. As far as when you are the ace for this team, that's what people are like, yeah, man. I mean, just think of Shohei Otani if he was a Yankee pitcher. Even Max, somebody like a Max Scherzer, for crying out loud. So, if if you are if you are Dodgers ace, if you are Red Sox ace, if you are Yankees ace, man, you you big business, man. I mean, just think of like somewhere like the San Francisco Giants, where they won the World Series every other year. At some time, Madison Bumgarner and and, uh, and Tim Lincecum, and you know you go do pitchers down the line. Barry Zito. None of them are an ace unless you're an ace 
for the Yankees. That's what I'm trying to say. It's the aura. So when Gary Cole comes out there and he's 2-0 in this playoff, that's the aura that you're supposed to represent. That's the type of dominate seven innings only. I know he gave him six hits, but eight Ks, only walked one batter, only gave up two runs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it makes a 4-2 victory way better than sitting there saying, well, man, it's, you know, we got to come back. Gary Cole gave us gave up five runs. We got to come back from that. It would be tough to get to four. The pressure and everything, things get tight. So if you have a pitcher just being say, hey, I may give up some hits because he's going to be in the strike zone. And then I might add to that umpire strike zone was ridiculous last night. I'm talking about wider than the ocean. That strike zone was ridiculous whenever it came to the Yankees batting. But when the Yankees were pitching, my gosh, what is wrong with you? I, that's all I want to say. What's wrong with you? Made the, made the, made the locations for some guys. Uh, get a little tricky there. But Cal Quantrill, uh, only three Ks, five innings pitch. You know, that's just not going to get it done. You know what I'm saying? You're not getting the Ks. You're getting people on base. And the next thing you know, you're giving up three runs. So we got to bring in somebody else. And, of course, they're able to get another one. Jose Ramirez got a single, shallow left. He uh, brought in... Um, Ahmad Rosario, I mean, uh, uh, to third, and then Stephen Kwan scored. Kwan, good player. This this Guardians team is not a bad team, and that's why I was so mad that we lost game two in New York because it's like, man, like, you just don't know. You just don't know how dangerous this team could be. Um, speaking of which, the Padres knocking off the uh, – excuse me. The Padres knocking off the Dodgers. And then you have the Phillies knocking off the, the defending World Series champs, the Braves. Let's talk about it real quick. Saturday, first off, I want to say, is that don't ever think that somebody like a Bryce Harper is ever scared of these situations. If anybody thinks that he's just some regular season guy or some guy that just, you know, he he he's, you know, people want to look to uh, better players than him. I don't like that Bryce Harper guy. I don't uh, – he's, he's all right. I don't like that guy. He, he's, he's okay. You know, he's okay. Hmm. He's the third home run in the playoffs, man. I'm just saying. This is third home run in this playoff. Ramuto, Marsh, these guys, uh, Schwarber, Ree Hoskins, Castellonis, I mean, Segura. Listen, Gene Segura, are you kidding me? Like one of the best second basemen in the, in the, in the MLB. This team is not no slouch. Man, Cal Schwarber and freaking Bryce Harper with Reed Hoskins? Just nothing you can do with it with a matchup like that. That's a, that's a matchup disaster for the Braves who just did not have it. They just did not have it. And you had Acuna this time around. He just didn't bring it. No hits in his elimination game. No hits. Three Ks. Contreras, somebody you can think of. No hits. Two Ks. Rosario, 1K, no hits. I mean, nobody stepped up in that in that game, in that deciding game. Nobody just stepped up. Nobody decided to step up in that shellacking of 8-3. Then you look at the Dodgers going outside the way they did. Look at the Dodgers, 5-3. You're up. How do you lose? You know, you're up. You, 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 you win this game, it's 2-2, and the Dodgers, faithful, can sit there and be like, hey, we still in it. This San Diego team who two seasons ago, let me remind you, two seasons ago, 
was starting to make their per they they starting to think they was like, Oh man, we we got some we get Machado here, we got you know, they went and got Clevenger, they they went and got, you know, this Tatis kid starts coming up going crazy with Machado. Now now with Tatis gone, you go get Juan Soto. Then you got this, you know, this these these like I ain't gonna say journeymen, but just good ball players on the team to compliment. And they don't have tattoos. Okay. Kim, certified, good ball player. Got speed, can play shortstop real great. He can get hits. Soto, Machado, Cronenworth, Profar, Nola. I mean, come on, man. crazy it is crazy it is crazy when i tell you this this is crazy when i tell you this man it's crazy that these teams that i was just telling lex that we have these teams now to where it's not all red Sox, it's not all yankees it's not all you know we just while i was talking about the giants coming back every other so often or always the cardinals or is it going to be you know, is athletics going to finally make it? You know, there's certain storylines that just stick. Certain storylines, you know, you're just like, man, getting tired of the same old thing. And and I will say through the years of baseball, it has definitely uh, gotten better with outcomes, with winning. It's definitely gotten better. I mean, like, it's, it's just it's just definitely got better, better. And uh, something else I wanted to point out is the catcher getting an inside-the-park home run for the Phillies, man. I just can't believe that. But that that's neither here nor there. I'm going to talk about the Padres now. But I forgot to mention that. Remuto. I did mention that he did get it, indeed, a home run, but it was inside the park. But back to this battle of California teams and, 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 and say, teams around the league in general. But... The California teams when Magic Johnson bought into the to the Dodgers, he tried to get the Dodgers back to this promised land and they win it. We years before that, the Royals won after so many years. The Cubs, after so many years, finally gets it done. Then the Braves, as you can see. The Cardinals. The Astros, which I just disgustingly hate that they won one. Just cannot stand it. Just just hurts me because of how they did it. If they would have did it naturally, it would have been would have been a lot better for me to take it. I would have wished the Mets would have won it. And I can't stand the Mets. But Astros got it. But it's still a different champion. So this time, the way things is lining up, the Yankees ain't won in 2009. When the last time the Guardians uh, the last time the Guardians win it? None. They're the first time I ever called the Guardians. Can't say the Indians no more. Because we know they, after a long time, finally got it. No, they went. That's right. They went. They got there. They got beat. No, they won it. What am I talking about? The, the Indians won it, didn't they? The Indians won the World Series? Am I not mistaken? Am I crazy? Am I having a moment here? Did the Cleveland Indians win that? Did, 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 I'm pretty sure the last World Series they won I'm having a brain fart here because, like I said, for how many of these different champions are just are coming back? Uh, yeah, that's right. They lost. They lost to the Cubs. That's right to the Cubs. Hell of a World Series. It was just in the. It was in the. It was in the. You know, one of my things was saying like when we got Aroldis Chapman back to the Yankees, I was like, man, I hope we get that Aroldis throwing straight sliders. I never forget that game. Joe Madden went out there and told that man, he said, look, just throw sliders, man. Just throw the damn slider. Don't throw that damn fast. I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know what's wrong with you. But throw the damn slider. We're going to get it done. He went out there and did it. Just a trip back in memory lane. Speaking of the Astros, they put on something of a confidence booster of a performance for themselves. Let's talk about it. They was able to go out. In, in in a game to where 
we didn't expect we didn't we didn't expect the Seattle Mariners to beat this team at all. We didn't expect it. But a fight, yes, maybe. You know, something of a one-two situation where it's a three-one ending series. It almost happened. It took almost for two games worth for it to happen, but it didn't. 18 innings, the Houston Astros went and did not let the Mariners score one run. 18 innings, okay? No errors for either team. 11 hits for Houston, but 7 for Seattle. 7. 7. No runs. No runs. No runs. The only run... And the only run that mattered was the winning run, and that was the home run by Pena, Jeremy Pena, to center field in the 18th inning. It took 18 innings to put this Seattle team away. But someone's going to say, oh, they're going to be wore out. Or, oh, man, that batting better get it. But look, think of the pitching. Think of the pitching. Think of the, the day. Of that to where you can sit there and say, oh, man, that ain't, they played the man. But think of the confidence. Think of the boost and confidence that this team now has, especially in that bullpen and that rotation that they have now to sit there and say, hey, man, let's go out there and let's do what it do. That's scary in the playoffs to have a game like that. If you ain't wore out your best players and not all banged up and tired or hurt, you look, come back in that game like we shut out a Mariners team in two games. This is a double header we're talking about here. You shut them out. I mean, that's embarrassing to the lineup of Rodriguez, of course, who got a hit. France, Suarez, they all got hits. But they all struck out, except Suarez, in Trammel, which he was a pinch hit. Pinch runner, excuse me. So he didn't even get a chance at best. So the only person struck out, I mean, that didn't strike out was third baseman Suarez. And he got a hit. Just nothing could just build to get this team a victory to try to play another game. Because who knows? They probably could have tied it up and then we could have a real series. That game is tough. I would really hate to go home if I was the Seattle Mariners on that one. The drive home had to have been pretty sad on that one. Had to have been. Had to have been. It was crazy. It was insane. Insane. Mm, 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 mm. I cannot stand the Astros, man. And that's one of the things where the Yankees, we win this, we win this series right here. And we're gonna be we're gonna be talking to them. We got to win. There's a there's a series to win. And that's tonight at 7.07 p.m. at New York, 2-2, series tied. Yankees back at home to get this series into the ALCS. <sighs> Against the Houston Astros are the team they have been eliminated by in the playoffs the last two times I would say they've been in there. Because they, they beat them in the, in, the, in the wild card elimination game. They beat them in the series. We have, we have not been able to get past. Well, I think we lost to the Twins. No, we beat the Twins, then we lost to the Astros. So, I mean, like, we just, we can't, we cannot deal with this right now. We have to think about the Guardians. So, this is important. I hope that there are all players in that clubhouse thinking about Ramirez, thinking about Naylor, thinking about the pitching, thinking about the Cleveland Guardians. Because they are the team at 7-on-7 that we are going to have to beat to get to that arch nemesis, the Houston Astros. I'm not looking ahead, but I'm just telling you it's there. It's there. We already have the NLCS in hand. We already got Phillies Padres in hand. That's Tuesday, starting the NBA season as well. We want to say the NBA season is starting back up tomorrow. I cannot wait. But Tuesday at October 18th, 8.03. Padres and Phillies game one will be kicking off. And hopefully at that time I'm not crying real tears because the Yankees blew it and will not be playing on Wednesday at 7.37 against the Houston Astros.
after game two of Phillies Padres. So I'm just I'm just praying to God that we come out and represent against them damn Guardians tonight. And I hope everybody that's, you know, Yankee, the, the Yankee lore, the supporters, the Yankee fans are going to come out rocking and get it done. Just praying. Just praying to God. Like, let's get it done. Because great baseball has been played, and a lot of Yankees talk has been into it with the team home runs, how we was pitching, Gary Cole breaking our strikeout record, uh, you know, Aaron Judge breaking the home run uh, record for the Yankees. I would say it's a Yankee home run record breaking Roger Maris's record. Um, you know, introducing players like Bader, Cabrera, um, showing showing that type of talent alongside the other guys that we got that's good, you know, for the players that fell off like Aaron Hicks, piece of shit, um, <laughs> Josh Donaldson, those types of players, you know, hopefully they gonna step up today. So I mean that's that. We gonna move it, keep it moving. Saturday night, uh, we had some boxing went down. A lot of boxing. Saturday evening, should I say. Early evening, we had boxing. One thing that I wanted to point out with boxing is that, you know, I wish I had my guest, uh, one, one, of my, one of my many guests for boxing that I'm going to hopefully be having on to break down for the rest of the year with the fights ahead, especially with Tyson Fury with his new fight announcement that I'm not so happy about. But anyway... Saturday, around 4 or 5 o'clock, everybody all know that, you know, if you didn't know, I'm telling you now, is that there it was a UK takeover. UK takeover with female women's boxing championship boxing. And that's just no regular. This ain't no celebrity boxing match. This ain't no Black China versus Nicki Minaj. This ain't no, you know, this ain't no, this, this is professional women's boxing. This is something where with Layla Lee, George Foreman's daughter, even Joe Frazier's daughter, Christy Martin's the the um, one of the great female boxers uh, that I always you know throw a name out there. Her name is freaking that does it every time. Uh, uh, Lynch, oh man, and 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 Lynch. I think her name is uh, she. One of the one of the baddest. I'm talking about punchers in women's boxing that would have been in today's limelight of of women's boxing. I think with her up there with Layla Ali. In uh, um, in Arita Foreman or Joe Frazier's daughter, um, I can't remember her name. She was good too. Like I said, Christy Martin went throw in there, um, and you know she's up in the upper in age now. I haven't, I haven't seen her fight in a while. Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. Um, she she's she she's been she's a little longer than two. So I mean, like her toughest fights. I mean, she didn't had. With younger with younger boxers, I don't really see her out there. She was a model and stuff like that. But now we got the Ebony Bit Bridges is coming up. You know, we got names now, especially with this this twelve and one good fighter and Marshall out of the UK who fights Clarissa Shields for the undisputed middleweight championship. You know, we got Alicia Bumgarner who went against Michaela Mayer, who Michaela Mayer is still calling out names that's in the division. That even though you know it, it's just it's women's division is really stepping up in boxing. It's sold out. A UK arena. UK loves boxing, and and that was a perfect thing to bring that there instead of in the United States. Honest to God, it really did because it was really only one UK fighter that was fighting in the card. But to have it there, I thought it was way better, way better turnout. The crowd went crazy, and everything was all well and good in that fashion. Even Cardi B got a shout out, and she shouted out Alicia Bumgarner for her using her song. Hell of an entrance for everybody. Clifford Shields even got into the entertainment. With her entrance as well, with her little dance number. So, I mean, like, all that stuff was all on, on point. You know, Michaela Mayer bringing her dance team out there. I mean, everything was on point for the ladies. Everybody was looking good, even though some punches landed on a few of the ladies. You know, they came out still looking good. Michaela Mayer, Alicia Bumgarner, Chris Shields, and Miss Marshall. That was... The, that was, the, you know, saying that this was the night, you know, this was the night to kind of the show that 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 women's boxing is here. 
And it's like it's here in the competitive level. We can sit back and say, man, yeah, it's two minute rounds. It's 10 round fights. You know, it's 33 minutes of fight. You know what I'm saying? Like if a knockout doesn't happen, you know, rounds go by fast. So, I mean, it, it's 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 kind of like one of those things where you, it's intriguing to see, like, if you go down two rounds, man, you better get on your, you got to get on the, on the pedal. There's no point to sit there and just take a round off or something like that. You have to throw punches. And here's the thing I wanted to mention on that is that if you go back and you watch, I'm going to break this down, Alicia Baumgartner and Michaela Meyer. In the first three rounds, Michaela Meyer was getting beat. First three rounds. In the third round, it might have been a little bit better for her. Fourth round, definitely she won. Fifth round, eh. And so it's like you allowed Alicia Baumgartner, yeah, she might not have just came right at you or tried to walk you down, but she landed the cleaner, counter shots, precise punches to, to get off first, jabs, straight right hand. She landed a hook, a good left hook. She landed a... You know, it's those things in the first three rounds. Now, then Michaela Meyer started throwing the one-two. That was the one thing that was starting to be. I want people to really listen to this. I break down this fight very well. And from rounds four to five, you saw Michaela Meyer bringing in the the jab. And with what already was working for her is the ring generalship of being in front of her, backing her up against the ropes. Even though Alicia Bumgarner fought well against the ropes in the first three rounds, in the fourth and fifth, she lost. She because she was taking those steps back and not with the head movement. Kayla Myers started throwing the one twos. She was throwing it, you know, wasn't spamming, but it was just like, hey, let me hit, let me if you gonna if you leave your head right there, you know, I'm whoop your head, you know. That's the song that went to my head of that. She was pop 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 to where she got hit with a couple counters because she started overthrowing it a little bit, and then when she got hit with a couple counters, and then it went back to the you know, yeah, my, it's one thing to sit there and say, well, I was winning the fight because I was making her back up or I was I was pushing her. But if you're not throwing the punches, you know, punches landed, punches thrown, that was all this bum garner. And, yeah, you may look at it like, oh, I was more efficient, but you wasn't because you were missing shots as well because you go back to replay. Man, can you believe this movement, the head movement, the us, 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 and us, and us, 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 that, that, that she was able to do, she was able to pull off. That was magical, masterful work that Alicia Bumgarner pulled off around 6-7 to where maybe maybe Meyer maybe won the seventh round, maybe won the eighth round, uh, give or take, whatever. But I just looked at it like Bumgarner won one, two, three. She won six. I th- want to say she won seven. You give her nine and ten, and Alicia Bumgarner won just like that. Cause nine and ten, it was just a lot of plotting standing around. I thought it was going to be, you know, fist of flying going everywhere the way they had bad blood. But they fought a smart professional fight. They didn't want to get themselves in danger. They both respected each other's power, and I think that Bumgarner had the head movement. I think she missed some key shots that Mayor wanted to put damage on her, and she landed some good counter shots coming to the ninth. I mean, she came brighter. She she got up against the ropes, spun her around. After what Tim Bradley was saying that she needs to do, she actually did it and was actually pushed on um, a good combination to land two good hard shots. Granted that Michaela Meyer, I would say around the fifth or sixth round, she did land a nice little right hand that did kind of wake up Alicia Bumgarner a little bit. And I think it woke her up for the good as far as to get the hands back going. She let her hands go in the second half of that fight. I don't see where a judge had Michaela Meyer winning 93-97 at the end of that fight. Now, if it had been my Bumgarner, I would have said that. And I picked Michaela Meyer to win the fight before the fight even happened. It was not a one-point win by Bumgarner. I thought it was way more than that. I thought it was 97-93 Bumgarner. And if Michaela Meyer would have won, it would have been a draw, meaning she wouldn't have won. But if she would have, it would have been a one-point win that, (laughs) which I'm shocked that, you know, uh, Bumgarner got. She got the one-point win. I was shocked about that because I'm like, she definitely deserved, you know, I mean, if it is a split decision, it's cool. But to sit there and say, well, she won on one point. It was kind of weird. It was kind of like Madonna versus uh, Floyd, whatever Floyd beat Madonna. It was like, yeah, he won, but y'all tried to kill me with the split decision. Same thing with Oscar La Hoya and Floyd, too. It's like, don't try to kill me with a split decision. Try to force a rematch when you know I beat her. And that's why I think one of the things Alicia Bumgarner probably maybe was said to her um, going into the back and everything like that, you know, and when she did her interview saying she wasn't going to give a rematch, it was a split decision. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, you kind of... I ain't say you gotta, but I mean it would be cool if you did. I think she, I did. Meyer deserves a rematch, 
But we that remains to be seen because, you know, there's other guys. I mean, there's other women out there to go after. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, there, there's other women out there to go get. Even Mayer, um, even after a loss, called out a uh, top contender saying, hey, we can get it on and then I can, you know, get myself to back and get this rematch with her because she says, you know, you ain't going to run for no good money. And there's good money into that in a, in a rematch in that fight because that was a good fight. And then moving on, there was uh, Sarah Marshall going up against uh, Clarissa Shields. And, um, you know, th- this was a fight where I felt like, you know, another long-arm um, boxer, you know, from the U.K. Um, I th- thought that she throws better combinations than some of the men out there, you know what I'm saying? So she was going to be dangerous. And Clarissa Shields knew that. And I think one of the good things starting out in the fight, Clarissa, Clarissa Shields went to the body. She went to the body early and often, and I think that set the tone for what she wanted to do. Hands was fast. She was throwing good left hooks, right hooks, right hooks and stuff like that. But when she really started going to that body in the, in, from round three, four, five, and then coming in back to the body six, seven, it made eight, nine so easy for her to where Marshall was so tough to where her work output, it makes it, makes it a good dog fight fight. It made it a dog fight type fight, even though she was losing. So the, the bite down that Clarissa Shields had to do was so masterful. It was just like it was strategic, and it was just the dog in her just to be like, you know, it was moments where they like, man, you can't let the crowd get into it every time, you know, Marshall does this. But it was like, oh, body shot, body shot, hook, 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 ha, ha, ha. That's what Shields is about. And I, I think she gained a lot of fans in the U.K., you know, because they were booing her and, you know, all the stuff like that. But I think she gained a lot of fans. Um, the way she fought and the way she bit down. And, 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 you know, Marshall admitted, you know, hey, I lost to a better fighter. Now, Mayer, she walks into the plane going back to America saying, hey, man, I won that fight. I beat her. But Marshall knew I lost this fight against Chris Shields. It's a unanimous decision. There's no need for no rematch. And I think Chris Shields made that clear. And I think she has other endeavors to go for. I think she might be in some bare knuckle shit, some MMA type shit. I mean, she's trying to make the bag the best way she can. And, and women's boxing ain't the only thing she can do to get that done. And now she's a three-time undisputed champion. So now she's an undisputed middleweight champion. I would love to see her and um, Bumgarner. If Bumgarner ever wants to move up, I think she's in the lightweight division. So, I mean, it would take a little bit. But if she moved up to the middleweight class and fights, Chris Shields, I wonder how they would go. Because they both low to the ground, kind of like, um, I think Shields definitely has more power. But I, I, I just looking at Bumgarner's like, body, man, I think she could do it. I think she could do it. I don't think she would lose a lot of speed either. I mean, I wonder how much time it would take her to do that or if she's just comfortable in her division. But I, I see a good fight in that. Now, there's other, you know, women in, in, in her division to get to. But that's just some a dream fight I looked at to be like, what if, you know, the embrace that they had after the fight and the Clarissa, you know, complimenting her and the same vice versa, um, wishing her good luck in her fight because her fight didn't happen yet. But her good words to Bumgarner, I think, caught Bumgarner um, off guard because maybe she didn't pick her to win or she didn't give her high praise before then. But Chris Shields was trying to be real with her. You know, Chris Shields, she's from, I, I know the type of person she is, and I, she's focused on her shit. And she just looked at her and was just like, man, you know, I'd never seen you spar, never seen you put in work. And I, now I got to see it. You are you are really good, and she was really really genuine and proud of her getting the job done. And I think at one point Baumgartner maybe thought that she was, you know, putting on for the camera or clowning or something like that. She was just like, "You're so funny," but I think she was like, "Nah, I'm for real. Like you good. Like I'm like I know I didn't probably pick you or something." The way she was talking was like, you know, I know you probably think I slided you or something, but like you are you are really good, really talented. I'm really glad that they had that embrace at the end of the night. Then moving on. To the evening, evening, to the nighttime, you know, we have Devin Haney, George Cambosis, the second fight, which a fight that I fought was going to be fighting in America, Las Vegas, where Devin Haney's from. But he had took the rematch clause that George Cambosis was the undisputed lightweight champion by beating Tiafimo Lopez. And then, oh, my God, we fight a fight in Australia, and we're going to do it again. And when we going back to Australia, huh? Devin Haney going back to Australia. Remember the last time that has happened? His dad couldn't make the trip, but he made it on the last second visa. All that stuff, good thing. But this time it was all good. He got welcome with open arms. And this time, I would say George Cambosis had a better game plan than he did the first fight because of some punches actually landed. Some things actually was going his way. It's just only one problem. 
everything was going extremely well for Devin Haney. And on the levels of like, I don't know. Let me see. I think he could have had an ice cream break at some point in that fight. He could have went and got a root beer. You know, he could have went and got a hot dog or a slice of pizza. He was working on putting on a very clean slate, and what I would like to say, a clean scorecard of 10 nines. And I think one round it fell off because he got hit with a right hand by Cambosis and hit with a couple of them. I think they gave him a round. But it was it was a really masterful performance by Devin Haney with no power. And like a lot of people said Floyd didn't have power. I think Floyd had way more in, in that in that department than Devin Haney. Not to say he was a knockout artist, but at that age of twenty three, he was devastating lightweights. He was just tearing them apart. And I think in the middle of that fight, somebody said, Man, he reminds me of Pretty Boy Floyd. And I was like, There's no way. There's no way. Pretty Boy Floyd was knocking lightweights like this guy out. You know, like George Cambosis wouldn't have made it through Pretty Boy Floyd. He wouldn't have made it through the fifth round in the first fight. So, I mean, I'm going to pump the brakes there a little bit, and I'm going to point out another thing. Devin Haney does not look good at 135, man. He looks, he looked like he could have passed out, you know, not died or anything, but he just, he didn't look healthy. He didn't look like he over, like he overdrained himself. It just looks like it's taking a toll on him. And it might be time to go ahead and move up. So I just think a 140 fight with Tank would be sufficeful enough to where whoever wins that fight can move up to 147 and say, hey, what's up? What's up? 140, all the shit, drop the belts. Who cares about you, undisputed lightweight? Who cares? It's all about the fighters and which y'all going to be your end point. Devin Haney is not going to retire a 135 fighter. Tank Davis is not going to retire a 135 fighter. Shakur Stevens is not going to retire a 135 fighter. Only person is Lomachenko. Because not even Tia Fimo. He's already fighting 140, talking about 147. And talking about it's killing him to drain weight and all that stuff like that. He's already fought a 140 pounder and won. Tank already fought a 140 pounder and won. So now we're just waiting on Devin Haney to do it, waiting on Ryan Garcia to do it, because he's not going to fight at 135 for the rest of his career either. Not with that height and that frame. The only people that's going to be left down there is the person that retired, which being Mikey Garcia, who tried to fight at 147, and he, he got retired. Robert Easter, I ain't heard his name out there. Tevin Farmer, I ain't heard his name. So, really, when you look at this division, you have Shakur Stevens, you have Tank Davis, and you have Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney. George Cambosis, take a seat. Tia you'd have moved up. So why waste your years trying to get all these fights together when I think Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia or Tank Davis and Devin Haney needs to square off with 140 and let's call it a uh, call it a move up move up tournament. It's a move up tournament. Let's make 140 nice for at least a good year. Make 140 nice for a year and a half. So 140 will have Ryan Garcia, Tevin. I mean, uh, Ryan Garcia, Devin, Tank. And, 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 and waiting on Shakur, because I think he would probably be the last one entering the fray of that. But he can handle it. This is my opinion. Y'all can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I just think he can handle that. I think he would wholeheartedly handle the job of, of walking into um, a 140 fight with any of those guys I named. Because I think he would beat up Lil Machinko at 135. I think he would beat a Ryan Garcia. This is my opinion. It's just like Demetrius Andre, he gets the freaking run around at 154. Then he gets to run around at 160. Then he gets to run around at 168. Nobody wants to fight him. Nobody don't want no, nobody don't want no Shakur Stevens to smoke like that. So he's got to fight these guys that we like, okay, okay, we want to fight. But nobody, no, Devin Haney don't want to fight Shakur Stevenson. Because, yeah, he might feel like he's better. He may look like he's better. But he knows the preparation. He knows that somebody's like, oh, you give me a shot to fight Devin Haney? You give that to Shakur Stevenson? Newark? You give that to Tank Davis? Ryan Garcia? I don't know how his... I don't know. With the, with the mental health stuff and him pulling out of fight stuff like that, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. You feel what I'm saying? I hope that's understandable, meaning that Ryan Garcia, I'm not dissing you, but it's just like I don't think that you are one of those type of guys where I'm like, man, you signed a big fight against Tank. Are you really excited? 
If you sign a big fight with Devin Haney, are you really excited? That's what I'm meaning. Is the preparation going to come into where you're hungry and going to come out a fucking monster? Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Then we, after that, massacre, should I say, that Devin Haney put on. We had Anthony Durrell going up against Caleb Plant. Uh, Caleb Plant ain't fought since Canelo beat him in a fight to where it looked like Canelo was in trouble the way Caleb Plant was talking and the way he was writing checks. His ass couldn't cash. But now against Anthony Durrell, we're going to see what he's got after a loss. Well, I'm here to say Anthony Durrell is not the type of fighter that you want to put in there against somebody if thinking that you're going to get a second loss in a row. <laughs> he went in there attacking Durrell. Durrell is an attacking boxer. He's going to look like a boxer, but he's going to throw hard punches. He's not a person that is going to just outschool you and, 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 and outclass you. It may look like it with his stance and whatnot, but he has a intention of trying to put you out. And, and Caleb playing a blast. Hit him with a body shot. It's a good setup. He's used it before. He tried to use it on Canelo. Body shot. Duck. Come up with left hook. And it was there. It was He paused. It was going to be so open. He was, oh, my God, this is going to be a money shot. Pow. Knocked Anthony Durrell plum out. That was a one-punch dead knockout right there. Keep it moving to the main event, who a person who hasn't been in the ring in a thousand days. In a thousand days, Deontay Wilder has not been in the ring, man. Going through the whole arbitration thing and stuff like that to get the rematch against Fury and stuff like that for the for the trilogy. Took a long time for that to happen. It happened. He goes in there and loses again in a knockout fashion, where he gets knocked out by Tyson Fury. So then it sets back to, oh, he cheated. I don't respect him and all this stuff. And I'm going to retire and all this Floyd. Let me train you. No, I'm not going to all this stuff like that. And he kept Malik Scott. He took some time off. He got back in the gym with Malik Scott. Got back himself. Found some whatever for himself. And the next thing you know, I slowly started seeing him coming back, promoting himself. Training hitting the bags, no bomb squats, squat screaming, no, you know, no, no crazy death threats, predictions, just being humble. And I, he did an interview with the Pivot. I think the Pivot podcast is a good one. I'm going to, you know, I guess plugged in for just saying inspiration purposes. But he said a lot of good things on there, a lot of crazy things as well. But to be in the type of place that he's in, it set up the night for Saturday night. And around 11.40, going into midnight, um, with the fight, you know, being uh, nearly about to start, I was sitting there wondering, like, what type of Deontay Wilder from the entrance standpoint are we going to see? And that's going to really see what type of person he changed into. And he came out there in normal wear. You know, he had the mask on, but nothing crazy. I just felt like the moment, knowing that he's fighting Tyson Fury, and knowing that this is a big heavyweight fight, knowing this is a Titan heavyweight fight, I just think he took it too far with a lot of the antics and things like that instead of focusing on the fight. And here he almost still won. Referee couldn't count to 10 right. Then the second fight, his, his I just felt like, yeah, he wanted it, but it was like, I didn't knock his man out. Or, hey, I can't box him. And then he ended up getting put on the ground. Then he blames the suit. Because it was just too much. Too much buildup. Then the third fight, because you got to go through arbitration and the lawsuit. And then he told me he cheated and all that stuff like that. We get the third fight. And then, boom, he loses again. He tried to hold on. He held on as long as he could. Couldn't get it done. Tyson Fury wins. Um, there was a moment it really felt like that. Hey, we we are we are in a we are in a we are we are in a we are in a situation where. Heavyweight boxing is back on the back on the top, back on the high, and we see Deontay Wilder lose for the third time to Tyson Fury. And meanwhile, we got Anthony Joshua lost to Andy Garcia. I mean Andy Ruiz, who we don't know that can beat Tyson Fury. So now we like the heavyweight division back in shambles again, because now we got Tyson Fury talking about he's going to retire again. 
because Anthony Joshua can't win a big fight against a guy that he feels that he can just mutilate in five seconds. And then here comes Alexander Usk, who's an undisputed cruiserweight champion, moves up to heavyweight. He starts winning heavyweight fights, and then he beats Anthony Joshua twice. And then Tyson Fury just says, you know what, I don't even acknowledge you. I fight Anthony Joshua over you. And then somehow that does not get done. And now we're going to be looking ahead to Tyson Fury versus Derek Chiroza. And I'm just thinking, like, man, this is stupid. Honest to God, stupid. Derek, man, what? I mean, man, what? So now we have that as a future heavyweight, undisputed heavyweight fight that's in the UK. And I dig it. You know, it's going to be big money. It's going to sell the fuck out. It's Tyson Fury and Derek Trotroza and uh, Dillian White did good numbers in the UK, for crying out loud. Joe Parker and Joe Joyce did good numbers, okay? So, I see it. I dig it. I dig it. It's going to be for his countrymen and all that stuff like that, or the people he's cool with. I'm pretty sure that him and Trotroza are going to have a funny, funny build-up to the fight and everything like that. I don't know if they highly respect each other, but I think they, that, like I said, this is not a threat for Tyson Fury. It's just going to be a nice show to put up. It's like Floyd versus Andre Berto. I'm hooking up my countrymen, just like Floyd was hooking up one of his brothers. Like, like I'm hooking up a nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one of the deals of that right there. Like, I'm, like, I looked at that Berto fight as that. I'm looking at this Tyson Fury and Chiroza fight as that. Like, I'm hooking up a, a countryman. I'm, I'm, this is somebody that, you know, has called me out. We didn't have a little, you know, back and forth here and there, but nothing like him and Anthony Joshua, like Dillian White. So it's just like, this is for him. I dig it. I still hate it. Hate it, hate it down to his core. If we're still waiting on the fight day, I thought it was going to be November 19th for, now we're talking December, January for Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. It still ain't been made yet, but for me, the way Errol Spence is talking on Twitter, man, is Terrence Crawford holding things up. Terrence Crawford's holding things up. Not being with Bob Arum, not signing with nobody immediately afterwards because he's getting he's being sued now by Bob Arum. And so it's like he got kicked out of his promotion. Now he's sued. Now he's now he's gotta find out to make the most money he possibly can because he's 34 years old. And if he loses his fight, what's next for Terrence Crawford? You know what I'm saying? So you gotta dot your eyes across your T's. I understand that. Errol Spence is the young man here. He wants to hurry up and get in the ring and beat the living hell out of that man so he can keep the, keep the chips on rolling. It makes more sense if I'm me saying it like that than what all these fake article reports are saying. Oh my God, we just, you know, um, Terrence Crawford's side just want to get some trans, you know, just some transparency on of earnings and do the past four fights and how much Errol made and how much he made. Who's really the ASAP? Man, fuck all that. Get your ass in the ring. Fight this man, Earl Spence. Quit holding shit up. You know, I, I don't know. Do what you got to do. Fight him in a phone booth, man. Like, 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 I, if I was either Spence or Terrence Crawford, I'd dig the money. But I wouldn't sit there and be like, man, I got to get every single penny. Like, from what I'm hearing, like Terrence Crawford trying to do. Because this is a big fight. This is a fight that you want to where your next fight can be more money against a lesser opponent. This is the big fight. This is the big Joe right here. This is what I don't want to see happen with Garcia and Tank. I don't want to see it with Tank and Haney. I don't want to see it with Shakur and one of those guys. Just like we've seen with Canelo hanging in there and not fighting Andre or Charlo Benavidez. But I take my ass up there and try to fight Bivol because, you know, that was just a challenge. And I can lose that and come back down to beat an old 45-year-old Triple G. Why not? We don't want that. We don't want to sit there and see the Caleb Plants or who you mutilated go up against the Charlo. We want to see Charlo go against you. We want to see Andrade against you. We want to see you against Benavidez. We don't want to see Camp Plant, Caleb Plant get murdered by Benavidez because that's what would happen. Could you imagine if David Benavidez got in there with Andre Derail? Or Anthony, whatever, which one it was. Shit, you know, it's it's just it's just mind-boggling to me how boxing works like that sometimes, man. It just really works like that. And it's just it's painful. And you just like, where do you get these big fight announcements? You're just like, thank you, God. But the UFC, they're just so good at it. But sometimes, yeah, they're walking into those head-to-head matchups. 
But sometimes it can be things involved where it's age and stuff like that, where this person hit, he's won five in a row, but he ain't fight nobody. And then this person be four good guys, and then you put him in there, and then it's not a good fight. But you'd be like, man, they put it, they made it happen, though. In boxing, it's a little bit more trickier because, yeah, man, you got two good guys, top elite guys, the Chinese Crawford and, and Earl Spence, and it just takes so much to get them in the ring, but it really shouldn't. Because really what it is is money. And I just feel like if there's people out there like Al Heyman's and stuff like that, man, it's like, man, I'll take care of that, man. I'll give you a little something, something, whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's just this would be a big pay-per-view fight to where I can dig understandingly being wanting to be on the A side. But, man, just make the fight. Just get it done because I'm pretty sure some A side shit going to happen if you win. Bottom line, man. Just bottom line. Just bottom line. But to end things off, main event, Deontay Wilder comes in the ring. Like I said, even kill, ready to go. Um, even had a, um, you know, there's something with boxers when they lose, especially knockout artists, they get up, they, they build up some type of a conscience, some type of a good humanitarian in them to where him and Hellenius had a, you know, not to say they were buddy-buddy, but they had a respect for each other before the fight. You know, I think they were saying that, that, uh, that, that, that uh, Deontay Wilder allowed him into his crib, and they chopped it up and stuff like that. So, I mean, Tyson Fury is doing the same thing with Chelsea. He was trying to do the same thing with Joshua. He tried to do the same thing with Wilder. Wilder was like, I'm not talking to you, bro. I'm not talking to you. I don't respect you. He still don't to this day. But Wilder came in there, and... Uh, it, you know, for my thing was, was like, if it goes four rounds, then I think I think Wilder may have just might have had it. So he goes up against a boxer. He can get out boxing, get hurt for four rounds, and just dance around and get somebody who just wants to get a lucky shot on him. They would really look bad. So I was thinking of Hellenius being that type of heavy-handed guy that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to just hit him real hard and see what can happen. And it seemed like, you know, Wilder was going to use the move in the round thing that I've been seeing on the on the training tapes. And I'm like, okay. He's going to move. He's going to dance around. He's going to pop. Okay, let's see what's happening. 13 seconds left into the round one. 13 seconds. This is the thing that cracks me up because I got three minutes to go. I got three minutes here. I'm going to break this down to you. And I'm going to get on out of here. People sit there and say, man, that punch, was, that had to be staged. Is that, ain't no way somebody's going to fall from a punch. Like, how did he get knocked out like that? He didn't even really hit him like that. Now, we, now we're not going to play stupid here. We know how strong Deontay Wilder is. We've seen this man come in there, 214 pounds, 220 pounds, 225 pounds, and knock out every single body. Hit somebody hard, make him stumble, do something different. Nick, Tyson Fury got up with nine seconds left like the Undertaker because he was down there unconscious. We've seen him walk up on people and hit them so hard they just fall straight down to the ground. No time at all needed to get down there. So you mean to tell me that if you are not using your head that Robert Herlanis, who was trying to rush in and throw a hard shot before the round ended. Granted, he probably didn't know that the round was about to end, but he saw Deontay Wilder in the corner with his hands down. He then proceeded trying to throw himself into a hard right hand and catch water because momentum creates that. You lower your legs, you come back up, and you're coming forward with momentum. Deontay Wilder in his training clips, if you go to Facebook, Twitter, anything, or type in Fight Hype at YouTube and go watch that man's training clip, and him and Malik Scott worked on said punch. His arm doesn't have to fully extend. To hit that man perfectly, perfectly on the button. He caught him between the eyes, on the nose, under the nose, top of the mouth. You're going down. I guarantee you anybody that wants to try to test that theory, you're going to a hospital. Because I guarantee you that's where Mr. Helena's went. So for the, for the people that thought it was rigged or faked or staged or dived, let Deontay Wilder hit you like that. I just, I just dare you. That was a clean punch, good time, good speed. Everything landed perfectly. Got that man out of there, and he was talking to Jesus for about 10 minutes. Woke back up was like, man, you don't need to take the toad, Mike Tyson. Just take a punch from Deontay Wilder, which Deontay Wilder said he took the toad, the DMT, which was crazy. But I'm going to go and get on out of here, man. Tomorrow we're going to talk about some football after Monday Night Football. 
and talk about some things that went on with college football as well. Like I said, this was going to be boxing. It was going to be baseball. Tonight, Yankees hopefully get it done, and we'll be talking about the Astros versus Yankees and Padres and the Phillies. Sauce Talk is out. Everybody enjoy your Monday.